Okay. Well, praise the Lord. Let's look at this. Let's look this morning at um, at uh, at forgiveness here. Now we're just talking strictly from uh, uh, the Lord's viewpoint of us, and it's, and I, I know I speak about this a lot because uh, oh, even from my own experience. Uh, you can almost feel like when you get the temperature a little low, you go, ooh, it's cool in here. You know, well, you can start sensing that I wonder if God really thinks I'm okay. I mean, God knows, we, all, we always believe God knows everything. Well, yes, He knows everything, but He died for us no matter what. So anyway, let's look at Colossians here. Now, what I like to look at about this is that um, um, this is a single letter to a single region, and if We'll just say God. Well, of course, Paul wrote this. But if there was something important that they were missing, oh, you know, they would have to be another book. But they're not. This was, this is what Paul wrote to these people. Oh, notice he says, this is Paul, chosen by God to be Jesus Christ's messenger, uh, and from our brother uh, Timothy. Oh, anyway, uh, and it says to to the faithful Christian brothers, God's people in the city of Colossae. May God our Father shower you with blessings and fill you with his great peace. Okay, now that's just carte blanche. Okay. Now I want us to get on down here to uh, other things he says here. Uh, let's see. Uh, starting in verse 12. And uh, we're always thankful. This is a prayer, he says. And always thankful to the Father who's made us fit to share all the wonderful things that belong to those who live in the kingdom of life. Notice he didn't act like... One of these days when we get to heaven, that's our problem as Americans. We're so blessed in America, sometimes we think that's all there is. That's the fallacy of, uh, of what's happened sometimes, or a lot of times, in our medical world. We've got, I, I could not believe it as a young person, Dustin's age, I was going into the ministry, but I knew that Jesus healed. Not that he could heal, he would heal. Big difference from some of my friends at other churches and stuff, they all believe, oh yeah, God can heal, but I was standing on the other side saying he will heal if you'll just, if you'll just use some faith here. Uh, but anyway, all those friends and some other friends of mine that I knew and other acquaintances that I come across with, it was medical science. God exchanged healing for medical science. Well, that's not true. God uses medical science, but he, I mean, if you're a missionary, put it this way, you cannot take Memphis Hospital with you down in Africa. You're in trouble, and you're a Christian, you know, and you get down there and you think, you know, well, I guess if I was just in Memphis, well, it doesn't make any sense. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. I tell you, I wouldn't want to be a missionary if, uh, if, if I, if, I mean, I would do it, but I'm just saying it, it, would, it would make me feel like God's not preparing me for where I need to go, but he has prepared you. You can go into all the world and preach the gospel and don't worry about catching the bubonic plague or any of these things that we can be afraid of or even terrorism and things like this. I know it sounds like, well, that's just crazy, but the Bible tells us, and even Jesus' experience alone when he was here, he protected the 12 disciples when they went into hostile places. But anyway, back to this. So he says here he's made us fit to share all the wonderful things that belong to those who live in the kingdom of life. Notice it says we live in the kingdom of life. Uh, we're in the world, but Jesus said himself in John chapter 17, we're not of it. And so I choose to believe Jesus' word. Jesus said Richard is in the world, but he's not of it. It's like I'm a Martian. We know that. That guy's an alien. But we're all aliens to this world. And in respect to that, what he's saying is I have 
these wonderful things that belong to those who live in the kingdom of light. And that's how we tell other people, guess what? You can have this too, but you got to believe in Jesus Christ. And some people, I don't think I want to. Well, give them a little time. The Lord will work on them a little bit. He's not going to hurt them. He's not going to break them. That's not true. But God knows how to rescue people. He knows how to tell them. He leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Now watch this. For he rescued us out of the darkness and gloom of Satan's kingdom. Now, this is amazing. He says he has rescued us out of darkness. I'm thinking when I die, that'll be the case. Oh, what glorious day that'll be when I get to heaven. Not what it says. He has rescued us out of darkness and gloom from Satan's kingdom and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, this is what worked so hand in glove with the book of Psalms. David knew these things, and he didn't even uh, have the New Testament. But he knew the mercy of God. God was always in another kingdom, okay? But David knew, God will help me. Just like the Syrophoenician woman that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you heal my daughter? She's got a demon. And Jesus said, you know, darling, it's not right that I help other nations. It's not right that, I, that I'm supposed to be sent only to the Jews. And she says, yes, but even the dogs get the crumbs. And he says, for that saying, go your way, your daughter's healed. Praise the Lord. In other words, we don't give up. David was that way too. And you'll see David in the book of Psalms put his hands on his hip and he'll say, God, where are you? And we've lost that in the church today because we're like, well, I don't want to get involved in God's business. It ain't always supposed to be rosy. Yes, it is. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemy. So when things go bad, start going, I'm looking for that table. This is not my room. I'm going in another room because God has made a table for me. He promised. There's no other book except for the unbelief in your, in your mind. You've got to believe God's word. And it's just simply called faith. I'm going to trust God. It'll be even as it was told me. So he has rescued us out of the... Uh, Darkness and gloom of Satan's kingdom and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. And let's go down here. Now, I mean, this, this, this kind of stuff is what got me as a, uh, a young teen. Well, I was, in, I was in high school, my junior and senior year in high school. I was like, well, if he did it, he did it. Okay, notice it says, who bought our freedom <clears throat> with his blood, and look at this, and forgave us all our sins. There's no question it's over with. He has forgiven you all your sins. I want to show you another one here that uh, just kind of blows your socks off here. Uh, let's go to, uh, we'll use the one here in Matthew. We'll go to Matthew 8. Oh, well, I'm in Matthew. Let's just go look at this back up there. Oh. Look at this right here. Okay. <clears throat> it says, look, a leper is approaching. He kneels before him, worships serves the leper, please, if you want to, you can heal me. Oh, uh, notice Jesus touched the man. He wasn't arriving. He's left right. Jesus touched him and he said, I want to. To me, <clears throat> this answered all my questions, no matter what I've come across in my life. You know, if my leg's hurting, my knee's hurting, or you got a terrible headache, even if it's temporary. A lot of times we think, well, it's just a headache. I'm not going to bother God with it. Man, bother God with it. It ain't going to hurt him. He wants you to feel all right. Remember the fellow that Jesus healed and Jesus said, what do you see? He said, well, I see everybody looks like trees. Jesus said, that ain't enough. That ain't good enough. 
Jesus touched him again. He says, now what he sees, though? I see all men clearly. And there was no explanation. Ministers like me have jumped in and said, well, sometimes we all need a second touch. That's not what the story was about. All the story was the man's eyes was not perfect. They needed to be perfect. God wants you to be perfect too. We have given up so much thinking that God won't help us. And you men and women too, whatever, you work on things. Our prayer life should be just wonderful. Jesus has told us, ask and it will be given to you. Paul said, pray about everything. But yet we have some people in the church today that say, you know, you don't need to be praying about everything. Why? You pray for a refrigerator. I'm like, I would always pray for a refrigerator. I'm sitting over here flipping through the newspaper trying to get the best price. I'm calling around trying to find somebody who knows, where can you get a refrigerator? Why not pray? Hallelujah. You know, God will help you. It's not going to hurt anybody. I tell you, I just get sharper in my own prayer life praying about everything. But anyway, <clears throat> watch what happened here. So he says, look, a leper is approaching. He kneels before him, worshiping him, sir. The leper says, please, if you want me, you can heal me. Jesus touched the man said, I want to. He says, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. You know, you got to remember, leprosy is what? Is it some sort of internal disease? No. It's a skin disease. Now, you ladies and you men, just as well, I talked to a friend of mine at work the other day, and I've gone to my skin doctor, had a couple of spots taken off, and the ones they had taken off, uh, they've had a couple of them that they were worried about, but they said... At least we got it or whatever. Some of them, you know, not concerned about or whatever. But you can get to thinking that, uh, you know, that uh, only Jesus can heal leprosy or whatever. Let me tell you, this was a skin disease, a skin problem. And I'm telling you, Jesus will take care of your skin. You got it right here. Just tell him that. Say, Jesus, I remember you healed that leper. It's, 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 it's written in Mark's gospel as well and Luke's gospel. This story is written three times, you know. But anyway, um, verse 4, then Jesus says, then don't stop to talk to anyone. Go right over to the priest to be examined and take with you the offering required by Moses' uh, law for lepers who are healed, a public testimony of your cure. Now watch this. When Je oh, I want to answer this. When Jesus healed that leper, you think he was perfect? You know, he was probably the, he was, never had sinned, had he? He never had made a mistake. Matter of fact, that's what Jesus said, didn't he? He said, when the man said, you can heal me if you want to, Jesus said, you know, you know what? You're perfect. Heaven really likes you. We saw how good you are to people. We saw you have a good heart. We saw you never did treat your parents wrong, and you never did this, you never did that, you never, 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 never. You are just perfect. You're a great example of what a human being should be. No, that's not in there. This is what gets me to this point I want to make. <clears throat> The only qualification you need to be healed in the Bible, guess what, is to be sick. If you're sick, you can get healed. If you're sick, you can be healed. It's that simple. They brought multitudes to Jesus to be healed. Jesus commissioned the 12 disciples to go healed. He also commissioned the 70 to go healed. He commissioned the church today to do the same thing. These signs shall follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. Okay, now watch this. He comes into Capernaum. Uh, oh, that's not what I want. Hang on. <clears throat> but that's still a good story. Uh, I want to go a little bit further here. I want to go to the ninth chapter. Got the wrong one. Uh, watch this. This is fantastic. So Jesus climbed into a boat and went across the lake to Capernaum, his hometown. Soon 
some men brought to him a paralyzed boy on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick boy, Cheer up, son, for I have forgiven your sins. Oh, man, this brought on a firestorm right here. Who can forgive? Who does this guy think he is going around forgiving people's sins? People were saying, that's blasphemy. This man is saying he's God. And that's what he was doing. And Jesus was going to say, well, who do you think I am? Well, let's go back. Let's just think about the boys just a moment. Because Jesus didn't make this up to prove a point to everybody. This young fellow was what? Paralyzed. We won't use Dustin at his age right now, but let's just say he's a little younger. Let's give him 11 and 12 or whatever. And I know him, and I know his two sisters, and I know his two sisters, they tell stories or whatever, how sometimes he wasn't as tired as he should be. And if something had happened, and he's beating himself up, because a lot of times we think when tragedy hits, God did it. Well, God didn't do it, you know. But you might think, okay, God didn't do it. I'm not paralyzed because of God, but uh, I bet you God's not going to help me because I was not as good as I ought to be to my two sisters or whatever. I mean, you can get to thinking, I ain't ever going to get over this. I'm paralyzed. This is. I mean, first off, that's a pretty steep penalty. But some people will buy off on it and go, you know, yeah, but I deserve it. You deserve to never walk again, you know, whatever. We can sign up for these things and just think we are so done. Jesus, when they brought this paralyzed boy to him, he saw their face and he said, cheer up, son. He didn't say, now don't get too excited about this. He said, get excited about it. I have forgiven your sins. Well, anyway, blasphemy, this man uh, is saying he's God. Some exclaimed, uh, the, the religious leaders said to themselves, Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked them, why are you thinking such evil thoughts? I, the Messiah, have authority on earth to forgive sins. But talk is cheap. Anybody could say that. So I'll prove it to you by healing this man. Wow. Then turning to the paralyzed man, he said, he commanded, pick up your stretcher and go home for your heels. And the boy jumped up and left. Praise God. Now, I don't care what you're faced with in your life right now. Oh, uh, Jesus instantly wants you to know you're forgiven. He does. Don't go into your prayers thinking, I'm just, I'm already messed up. I want to give you a, uh, a real-time example here uh, in the book of Psalms. It'd be like I was talking about. It's uh, uh, David here. And, uh, oops, let me get to it. And uh, he's in big, bad trouble. And I want to show you what he does. And he does what we should be doing. Psalm 143. Oh, uh, look at this. <laughs> I mean, this is great. Uh, think a minute. There is 150 psalms. That's not very... Uh, these two students here, I know Fred's gone to college. You know, I've gone to college, and some of us have gone, and we all had tests, you know, even in high school. So many things you got to know. And then in this life, if that's not enough, the state of Alabama requires you to do this, 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 to be able to be in business. Well, we have to memorize stuff and know stuff. and You just can't just not know anything. A lot of things we got to know. But when it comes to the Bible, there's only 150 very short songs. And sometimes I find Christians that don't even know about the book of Psalms. 
Look how strong this one is. Now remember, David is a king. He's like president. He's afraid of being assassinated. Now quit thinking David is just so perfect. How many have ever heard of David's little marital affair with Bathsheba? Yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, my goodness. David had her husband killed. Uzziah, he got scared of it. Oh, no. He's messing around with Bathsheba. And so Uzziah, I think is what his name is. No, Uriah. Uriah was his chief officer. And so David says, uh, hey, what? You're a good warrior. Why don't you work on the front line? Kind of like the three stooges. I mean, it's funny. Uh, go to the front line, Uzziah. David, you are digging a hole here for yourself. David was so scared. And so he had Uzziah accidentally get killed. Well, there was no accident. David said, you need to work, get on the front line out there. You're a good warrior. The Lord will be with you. David made a mess for himself there, didn't he? David had to live with that. But anyway, his conscience, that is. So David knew, man, I, I am no saint. Now watch this. Even knowing that he had his wife's previous husband killed, look what he does here. This is why we've got to learn to recognize that we've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. Great, small, little, whatever, they're just sin, and Jesus has taken care of it for us. That doesn't give us, uh, some people worry that when I say that, Richard, you're just telling people just go ahead and go sin. You're going to have a problem with that. You won't want to. I don't want to go sin, you know. But I do believe in the mercy of God. Now watch it. He says, uh, let me clear this out. Uh, he says, uh, hear my prayer, O Lord. Answer my plea, because you are faithful to your promises. Now, uh, first off, I want you to recognize this is not talking about I'm in church, I'm reading my Bible, and uh, I'm a holy king, and I play a harp, and all this. He is in bad trouble here. We miss this sometimes, thinking that David is uh, just wearing white all the time. Look at this. Don't bring me to trial. You know, I'd like to say that because I don't want to go to trial. For as compared with you, no one is perfect. Well, right there we could say in a lot of churches, we're just going to quit right there because that's the truth of the day. We need to know that nobody's perfect. And we're, I'm not quitting there. I want to know what happens. Look at this. My enemies chased me and caught me. Wait a minute. I thought we were talking about, Lord, uh, answer my plea. And I don't know if you will. Be faithful to your promises. I don't know if you will. And don't bring me to trial as compared with you. No one is perfect. I mean, this shouldn't even be here. I mean, this is like, I need to hope that this is true. You don't need to hope this is true. It is true. And David went right to it. He said, look, we don't have time to talk about my sins. I... Nobody is perfect. Oh, but God, I'm in trouble. He said, my enemies chased and they caught me. They've knocked me to the ground. They forced me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I'm losing all hope. Yes, I think. Hey, this psalm is about me. I'm losing all hope. Look what happens next. He says, they forced me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I'm losing all hope. I'm paralyzed with fear. I remember, hey, look at this. I remember the glorious miracles you did in days of long ago. 
And you know, God has reminded us, you have a Bible that's got basically pictures of, you can go read them all the time, how God rescued his people. Are we supposed to forget that? No. He wants us to recall that when we're faced with oh, big bad problems. And then when you're faced with big bad problems, you'll be like David when he faced Goliath. David thought of two incidences when he faced Goliath. Anybody tell me what they were? When he faced Goliath, remember Goliath is huge. What did David remember when he faced Goliath? Anybody help me? The lion and the bear. I watched Ringling Brothers, Barnum Bailey the other day. Melody was there. And my daughter Joy was there too as well. And that guy got in the cage with... Now he had a huge lion. The very last scene. And this lion was nothing but a puppy. But he got over that lion and he held that lion's mouth up like this. And that lion's tongue just licked him and carried on. Man, I, I do not even want to be near a lion. But David said he rescued a lamb out of the mouth of the bear and the lion. I don't like bears either. Stories I've read in America with a grizzly bear, even a black bear, it's terrible. I remember all the glorious miracles you did in days of old. I reach out for you. I thirst for you as a parched land thirst for rain. I want to make a note here. This verse right here, I have known for years. It's part of the tradition. I thought that's all God ever said there. I never looked it up. I saw the reference. Sometimes preachers would preach on it and say, Oh, I thirst for you as a dry parched land. But now I know the truth. David was fixing to be killed and he's panting like a dog. I gotta have you, God. We gotta do that too. We gotta be sitting there going, God, I'm waiting on you. I am waiting on you. You're gonna get in trouble here. No, I'm not. I'm waiting on you. All you friends saying you're doomed. Uh uh, God, you're coming. You're coming. I'm going to get out of this mess. Look at this. Come quickly, Lord. Who am I to say that to God? Well, if you'll notice, this is your Bible. This is what we're supposed to do. Come quickly, Lord, and answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me, or I shall die. I tell you, the more you read the Bible, the more you're going to find out, I need to be out of this problem. God will get me out of this problem. When you don't read your Bible, you'll think I'll be the last one that ever gets out of trouble. But, but when you read your Bible, you'll think you're getting out. Come quickly, Lord, answer me for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me or I'll die. Let me see your kindness to me in the morning, for I'm trusting you. Show me where to walk, for my prayer is silent. Save me from my enemies. Oh, Lord, I run to you to hide. Now, this would all be useless if God wasn't this way. But he's, he is this way. I mean, we got the wrong example. I mean, God's confusing me. I mean, I don't need... Do what he did here, and you'll find your help. Help me to do your will. Now, what does that imply? I may not have been too good at it. We all make mistakes. 1 John chapter 2 says, If any man sin, we have an advocate. I mean, he's an attorney with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he says, Who is the propitiation for our sins? That just means he died for our sins. But what's interesting is he says, 
He's, he's, uh, he's the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only as a Christian, but for the sins of the whole world, indicating two different kinds. Because we can all go, I gave my life to Jesus. I shook hands with a pastor, and now I'm saved, and, and I love the Lord, and uh, I'm going to serve him. And then a week later, two weeks later, or something, you do something you should have done. And now you feel, I don't even want to go to church. I don't think God will answer my prayer. And remember, problems come. Jesus said, in the world, you'll have tribulation. You're going to have troubles this afternoon. We're all going to have trouble. But we always have a way out. But we'll go, I guess I can't do that. I can't do that. Yes, you can. Jesus has taken care of your sin. Help me to do your will, for you are my God. Lead me in the path, for your spirit is good. Lord, look at this. Look at this statement. Saving me will bring glory to your name. And that's what happens. Everybody looks around and they see Fred's taken care of. They see Dustin's taken care of, Bob and Phil and Melody and I. And it's like, praise God, how come Richard got out of that trouble? Because of Jesus. You ought to know him. Well, I'm going to serve whoever God Richard did. Well, that would be Jesus. Lord, saving me will bring uh, glory to your name. Bring me out of all this trouble. Look at this. Because you are true to your promises. And because you are so loving and kind to me, cut off all my enemies and destroy those who are trying to harm me. For I am your servant. Notice he didn't say, I am perfect. I have never made a mistake. Man, we have all blown it. We have made some terrible mistakes. But that's not going to hurt us. It's not going to hurt us. That was Psalm 143. Psalm 143. Let's look at one more place here. Oh. <clears throat> we'll go Genesis here. And we'll go Genesis. Oh. <laughs> Genesis 12. No, no, it's 14. Genesis 14. And. Uh, oh. Genesis. Oh, yeah. Oh, excuse me. It's 15. Got numbers off. Anyway, God, it says, and Jehovah, that's God's name, spoke to Abram in a vision and said, uh, oh, oh, and this is what he told him, don't be afraid, Abraham, for I will defend you and I'll give you great blessings. King James says, you are, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Let me show you that real quick here. Oh. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram, saying, Fear not, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Wouldn't that be great if God come up to you today and knocked on your door? Phil. Yes, sir. Jesus. And Jesus says to Phil, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. If Phil believes that, and he does, Phil would be like, my problems are over with. Look what uh, Abraham said. When he heard this, Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? Boy, Abraham went right to it. Abraham is 90 years old. He had never had a son. It'd be like me if, if I never had Joy or Melody or Dustin. I'm 52 years old. We'll be another week. I ain't had no kids. Maybe something wrong with me. Or something wrong with your wife. Bothers you. Seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer. Let's go back to the, to the uh, uh, living Bible here. 
Abraham said, Lord God, what good are your blessings when I have no son? Whoa, he's really talking to him, isn't he? Well, I know you got blessings, but you can't help me while well, I need help. My wife is barren. For without a son, some other member of my household will inherit my wealth. Then Jehovah told him, I mean, this is how fast it works. He said, no one will be your heir, for you will have a son to inherit everything you own. I mean, Abram's going, what? But he got excited because, remember, he believed God. God brought Abram outside beneath the, the nighttime sky and said, look up at the stars. I like to use the spackling here because I was out in Arizona and you, man, there's stars out there in that darkness up there. He says, look at the heavens and count the stars. If you can, your descendants will be like that. Too many to count. What? I want you to catch this. This scripture right here is used in the New Testament to show us that we're forgiven. Now, here's why. Abraham believed God. Then God considered him righteous on account of his faith. What kind of phrase is that? That means that Jesus, being God here, God was not holding against Abraham any wrongdoing he'd ever done. See, God is holy. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. We're doomed. We can't even go see God. But Jesus came. And when Jesus came, he opened the door. He said, uh, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes into the Father but by me. It's not my good work, Lord. I, I got a nice suit on, and I've been good to my mama and daddy. I still can't go. Mm -mm. I got to go through the cross. I got to go through Jesus. But somehow along the way, we have exchanged it, even though we're Christians, and we still believe, I got to be good enough. I got to do this. I got to do that. That's not what Abraham had to do. He simply had to use his faith. And Abraham believed God and considered him righteous on account of his faith. And he told Abraham, uh, oh, let's see, verse, verse 7. Uh, uh, let's see, I want to go down to, uh, look at this. Uh, read the C out of the, oops, uh, out of King James. God's talking to Abraham, and remember the Bible tells us that Abraham's blessings are mine. Because I really am not too thrilled about all this story about Abraham and God did this for Abraham. I'm kind of like, well, okay, I guess I'm required to read my Bible. It's in there for a reason. What God did for Abraham, he will do for you. Look at this. Thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. You know, God's promised you, the first commandment was promised is to honor your father and mother and it'll be well with you, and you'll live long on the earth. So there's a promise thing. God doesn't want us to die in a car wreck this afternoon. He doesn't want our life to be tore all up to pieces this week. He said you would go to your fathers in peace and be buried in a good old age. When you decide to call it quits here, you're going to be ready to. Everything's going to be wonderful. Now, why is everything going to be wonderful? It's because of Jesus, because of his promises. Just like Psalm 143 said, just like when Jesus healed that paralyzed guy, he said, son, that boy, he said, listen, your sins are forgiven. Boy, that guy must have jumped up and sat and he thought, well, if my sins are forgiven, I heard he healed everybody last yesterday. He heard he healed one of my friends. I'm fixing to get it. 
And then he turns to everybody else and says, Y'all are mad at me because I said I forgave his sins. Well, talk is cheap. I'll prove it to you. Boy, you know that paralyzed kid got excited? He turned that paralyzed kid and he said, Hey, get up, boy, and go home. And he got up and he went home. These were not fantasies. These were not fake stories. These things actually happened. There's people that, I need to close, and I will right here. There's people that have gone out to try to prove that Jesus Christ never did exist. He never was here. They thought they were so smart. They were going to go back. And people, I read their accounts that went back as atheists, saying, I'm going to prove that Jesus never was here, are now preaching the gospel just as good as you and I are. Because they found out he really was here. I mean, our calendars dated after this stuff is real, but you can live in a world and just deny that these things, even as a Christian, don't read your Bible and, and just think that life is hopeless and just be knocked around by your circumstances, but don't do that. Believe that book. Believe the Word of God, and God will get you out. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you that by your sight we're here. We thank you that your angels are in camp about us. And uh, we just thank you that uh, you supply every need.